This is like the family just coming together this morning. This is great. It also shows why we have two services, by the way, because chairs would fill up real fast. So this is cool. I love it. Uh, how about this road trip we're on? Pretty good, right? Yeah. Pretty good road trip. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about rest stops uh, with uh, Wayne, and thank you for Wayne for that, for uh, just talking, going through rest stops and how to rest in Jesus Christ. Um, today, we're going to take a look at my favorite part of the road trip. That's the food. <laughs> I love good food. It's obvious, but I love good food. Um, I admit that. But how do we know what food to eat on a rest stop or on, on our journeys? How do we know what is good food and what is bad food? And let me tell you something, then. This part's really important. If you pick the wrong food on a, on a road trip, last week when Wayne spoke about rest stops, it cannot come soon enough, and that is so important. So you got to make sure you pick the right food. I'm just saying. Now, here's a, a quick story. Uh, Leilani, our beautiful daughter, uh, when we travel, uh, and anybody who's ever driven with Leilani or have ever been in our car will always see this bucket in the car, okay? She, has su- she suffers from uh, car sickness, real bad motion sickness, real bad. Um, and when, we were grow- um, when she was growing up, when she was real little, uh, nine out of ten trips, she would have to throw up. She would get car sick. And so we, she became very professional at it. She's really good at it. We got a little bag in there. She does her business. We zip it up, throw it out, put another bag in. Um, but like for people who don't know Leilani, who've never driven with Leilani, like freaking out, like, oh my goodness, you have this bag or this bucket in your car. What's going on? It's just something that she's dealt with. And she's growing out of it. Um, now it's one out of 10 instead of nine out of 10. And so she is growing out of it. Um, but you have to pick the right food because, especially with her, because she definitely... <laughs> I always feel so bad, especially when we're like driving to Seattle and there's stop and go traffic and you're just like, oh, it's coming. We know it's coming. And then Lucinda's always like, babe, you got your bucket? Yeah, she's got her bucket. You know, uh, we've gotten better. Like we know that if we turn on the TV or something for her to focus on, she's gotten better at that. It seems to distract her. So as you're preparing for your road trip, there are three different types of food that you typically eat while traveling. The first one is the AM PM food. We have a picture up there, I think. Oh, there it is. The AM, PM food. It's, come on. It's fast. It's cheap. And you can get it when you're getting your gas. So, I mean, it's like, it's readily available, right? Yeah. Well, it, it, it may not be real. I don't know. I, I don't want to know. It's there. It's 49 cents. I mean, I mean, I'm not a big spender usually. Um, but you can eat it while you drive. I don't suggest you eat while you drive. Have you guys ever seen that person eating the hamburger with steering with their knee and eating that big hamburger while they're trying to drive? Did you just raise your hand? Did you see it or did you? Oh, you're good at it. See, I've, my food of choice when that happens is Chick-fil-A because they have those nuggets that you can get, right? And it's just easy to just dip and eat, just dip and eat. No hamburgers in the way. Um, Lucinda reminded me yesterday, I did get pulled over once when we were... Oh my goodness, that was like our first year of marriage. Or even that, we might have just been dating. I got pulled over by a cop once because he said I was swerving. I probably was. Um, I had Taco Bell all over me. <laughs> so, and I told him, I said, I'm just eating. I'm just eating while I drive. He let me go. But don't eat Taco Bell. 
when you're trying to drive. I mean, that burrito, when you're trying to take a bite and it just comes out the other end and it's just a mess. It's terrible. But I have to say, you don't eat while you drive because my father, he's a driving instructor and uh, he would be very upset if I did not at least say that. Don't eat while you drive. Um, so yeah, there's the nuggets. And there are, of course, other consequences when you eat this kind of food while you're driving uh, besides uh, fiery death. Um, when you eat this way, have you ever fed wildlife from your car while you're driving? I remember when I was a kid, we went through Yellowstone once, and um, well, we went through it a few times, but I remember this one particular time when I was a kid, I was a teenager, we went through Yellowstone, and I saw people feeding buffalo out of their car. I couldn't figure out why they're feeding buffalo. What are they feeding buffalo? Because don't they eat grass? Like, what are they feeding these buffalo? But it was making them mad because they were hitting the car a little bit. And I was thinking, my goodness. So then I started thinking about, what about seagulls? Have you ever fed seagulls? Check out this video we have about seagulls. I wouldn't encourage them. There's only one. Seriously, Greg, that's enough. Dad, can you close the sunroof? Uh, Roderick gummed it up, remember? Needless to say, don't feed the seagulls. That is terrible. Don't feed the seagulls. All right, the second type of food you eat while you're traveling is uh, the Denny's restaurant. You guys know this one. There it is, Denny's. That's probably like their, you know, their $5. It's pretty cheap, right? Um, it's a sit-down place. You guys know this food. It's somewhat filling. It is cheap while you're traveling. But service can at times become an issue. I remember once uh, Lucinda and I were traveling, we were visiting um, uh, your father's grave, and it was in the middle of California. Actually, where was that? It was in the middle of where? Los Baños. I'm probably not even saying it right. Does that mean the toilet? Okay. That explains things. We went to Denny's in the toilet, and... Uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's like right off of Highway 5 in the middle of absolute desolation. Um, but we found this Denny's. It was the only restaurant we could find. We were hungry. We were one of two groups in this restaurant. And we were there at least an hour before we even got our food. I mean, it was just the slowest service ever. It could have been closer to 90 minutes before we even got our food. And there was only two groups of us in this restaurant. It was horrible. So... If you're pressed for time, if you have to get to a hotel somewhere on time and you have to get checked into a hotel at a certain time, uh, good luck. Uh, Denny's could be an issue. You have to kind of plan that in advance. Um, so you would think you would go in there, you get your food fast, but it's not. Uh, number three, the steakhouse. Which one? Doesn't matter. They're all good. It's steak, right? I mean, it's good. You are going to pay more money for it. Granted, 
but I do believe you do get what you pay for. Um, but the food is well made. The service is good. It does cost more. Um, but man, I can go for a Bloomin' Onion, right? There's a, there is a picture of a Bloomin' Onion. There it is. Whew. That's good stuff right there. Man, who else can go for a steak right now, you know? Yeah, come on. Amen. So what you decide to eat is so important on your road trip. And the same goes with us as we travel on a road trip uh, with Jesus, uh, on a trip of li- through life with Jesus behind the wheel. Um, so let's see what Jesus has to say about what we need to choose. So if you have your Bibles, turn to chapter John chapter 6, verse 25. Uh, we have a little bit of reading here, so we're going to get started here. But we, because we only have one service, we can go a little bit longer, so... Maybe we'll go until uh, 4 o'clock or start Genesis 1-1. We'll just start. We'll just get through it. No, John, t- book of John, chapter 6, verse 25. When they found him on the side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils, but, work, or, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God required? Jesus answered, the work of God is to do this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you, will you give that we may see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not... Moses, who had given them bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they asked, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen and you have seen me and still do not believe, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that, those, that, shall, that I shall not lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread. Hang on. Thank you. (laughs) I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is, is it not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. For no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up. At the last day, it is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. 
This bread is my flesh, which I will give to, for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So this morning, wow, that's a lot. This morning, we're going to talk about a simple concept, and that's this. The bread of life. The bread of life. Who, and that's who Jesus is, right? He is the bread of life. So this morning, I'm going to call it when bread isn't bread. That's this morning's title. So let us pray before we start. Father God, we're just so grateful just to be here in your presence this morning, just to be as one large family, one body of Christ. We just love you so much. We are so thankful that you brought us here this morning to hear your word. We pray this morning that you move through us and in us and into this amazing community. And as we leave here this morning, Lord God, we leave here changed from the inside. We leave here with your word on our hearts. We leave, here, we leave here with just joy because of you. We just love you so much. Amen. So Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life. Awesome. I am the bread of life. And to understand what that means, when Jesus says those two words, I am the bread of life, we have to look at it in context of that statement. Those words, I am. It's said by Jesus, he has those statements seven times in the book of John. It says, he says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the bread of life. Names can be a powerful thing. It's how we identify ourselves. It's how we identify things around us. For example, I am a father. I am a husband. I am a Mariners fan. Yes, they're five in a row. You might be a mother, you might be a sister, a brother, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer. Those are things that you are. But our I am statements are vastly different than Jesus' I am statements. He is the gate. We can't even begin to understand that. He is the bread of life. We cannot even stand up to that. So, And some people, they go through life and they wonder... Who is God? What is God's name? In fact, this is what happened, and this happened in Exodus. We're going to, I haven't preached from Exodus ever, so this is going to be awesome. But this happened in Exodus back in chapter 3. Some of you know this story. It's a story of Moses. He, at the time, he left Egypt. He goes into the wilderness, and he is hiding in the wilderness. God shows up. God shows up in the form of a burning bush. Now, this burning bush is on fire. It's on fire, church. A bush is on fire. But the bush begins to speak. The bush begins to speak to Moses, and the bush is God, and God says to Moses, go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to set my people free. So Moses replies to the burning bush. He says, but God, if I go back there, what then do I tell them your name is? And this is what God says. He says, 
I am who I am. I am, basically he's saying, I am whatever you need me to be. I am whenever you need me to be it. Whatever you are in need of, I am. And now we've got Jesus showing up many, many years later. And guess what? He echoes the exact same thing of what happened in Exodus. He's saying, I am, seven different times. I am the bread of life. And so here we are, chapter 6, and Jesus is stating that he is the bread of life. At this point in his ministry, Jesus has quite the gathering around, of, around him. People from all around have been following Jesus and, and just, there's Jesus. He started, when he started doing miracles around him, people noticed and they started to, to follow him. The story right before our passage today, um, it's a story of how Jesus fed 5,000. A lot of scholars actually believe that that's closer to 15 or 20,000 because back then they only counted the men. And so the numbers are probably closer to 15 or 20,000. And he was sitting down on, his, on the mountainside and his disciples, they looked up and they saw a great crowd coming toward him. He turned to Philip and asked, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Then they see a small boy. Five loaves of bread, two small fish. And Jesus does yet another miracle. He fed these 15 or 20,000 people with enough for leftovers. And it says in John 6, 14, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to the mountain by himself. You have to see, you have to understand, Jesus has been doing miracles at this time. He had healed a paralyzed man who hadn't walked in 38 years, told him to pick up his mat and go. He had been doing amazing things, and now they saw him just feed 20,000 people. Remember, he also turned a wine, or water into wine. Pretty cool, pretty awesome. And now they just saw him feed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. They wanted him to be king even by force. They were willing to just force him to be king. They wanted him... It's amazing. But why do they want him to be king? He is already the king of kings, right? But they wanted him to be their earthly king. They wanted him to be a political king. Why? Because he had just fed them. He had just filled up their bellies. These people, they're hungry, they're starving, they're poor. They just, he just fed them. And now... They want him to be king. So Jesus, he sneaks off to be alone. And at the time, of course, as you probably know, he also just happens to walk on water. Another miracle. Come on. That's awesome. So he walks on water to a boat, and that, that boat immediately takes him to the other side. The crowd now realizes Jesus is gone. Where's Jesus? So they all go scrambling for their boats. And they go looking for Jesus, which leads us to the scripture for this morning. When they found him, on verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? The crowd had come across and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Often in the gospel, uh, the people call Jesus Rabbi, especially in the book of John, and they don't treat him as a rabbi. They don't receive his teachings. They want to hear, but they're not receiving it. And when we would expect them to ask how Jesus arrived, not when, but we would expect 
how did you get here so fast? Not when, but how? By asking when, they seemed to assume that he just slipped away, undetected, and arrived by normal means. But what they've already observed, something unusual about Jesus' travel, yet they're slow to believe that Jesus himself is also unusual. Not just his mode of travel, how he got to the other side of the lake, but that Jesus is unusual. They've seen that he instantly arrived on the other side of the lake, but they don't want to put two to two together. And they realize that it wasn't just his travel is unusual, but Jesus is unusual. Jesus answers in verse 26, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because of the signs I perform, but because of the, you ate the loaves and have had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but work, work for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I love this. Jesus at this time, he's calling out the crowd. He's calling them out. They're not looking for him to him because of the miracles. Remember, he did the healings, the water. All they care about right now is food. They care about the man who is feeding their stomachs. The only reason you came and sought me out it's because I gave you bread. But that food, that bread is temporary. It spoils. They had seen a miracle. Jesus had just fed 20,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. But it was not their focus. Their focus wasn't on Jesus. It was on their stomachs. Rather, he was seen as a means of filling their stomachs. Jesus didn't come to fill stomachs with food, but to fill lives with the very presence of God. But the crowd is focusing on the physical realm, not the spiritual. They're focused on themselves. They, they had to work hard for their daily bread. So when they found this miraculous source of food, it was good news. But Jesus tries to redirect them, you know, like a parent redirects their children. Jesus tries to redirect their attention. In verse 27, it says, Do not work for food that spoils. There is a food that endures to eternal life. It does not rot, but instead it nourishes real life, divine life, life that continues on forever. Awesome. I want this food. I want this food that endures to eternal life, but what must I do to get it? Sounds good. So in verse 28, it says, what must we do to get the works that God requires? What's it going to cost me? What do I have to do to get this? But Jesus goes to the heart of the matter. He goes to the heart of the matter right here and right now. He says, belief, that's the heart of the matter. Belief, belief in the one sent by God. Belief in the one sent by God. Show us a sign, the crowd yells. Even our ancestors received manna. Remember when God rained manna down from heaven? It was also in the books of Exodus. He sent enough for six days, right? He was sent every day for six days, and then the seventh day he would not. But they tried to, the, the people, they, at first, they began to try to save this food up. But what would happen? On the seventh day, it would spoil. It would go bad. You couldn't save it up. It was temporary. 
and the crowd's focus on the physical food in this story is also temporary. Jesus is saying, don't just come to me for the benefit of food. Come to me for relationship that will last all time. The people wanted their bread, and they wanted it now. But guess what? Life spring. That was 2,000 years ago, and it still hasn't changed today. We still, what we, we still want what we want, and we want it now. Just because it's quick doesn't mean it's good. Just like the AM, PM restaurant, gas station, whatever. <laughs> it's fast, but it's not good. So many of us, they, we go for that quick fix. We go for that quick fix instead of doing what is right, doing what God is calling us to do in the moment. So Jesus is saying, you have to get past how the miracle is going to come about and just trust that I am the miracle. I am everything you need me to be. Just as God told Moses in Exodus, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am whatever you need me to be. When you need me to be it, whatever you are in need of, Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. So then the crowd asks, what sign then will you give us that way we might believe you? Our ancestors, in verse 31 says, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. I can only, they keep repeating themselves. I can only imagine Jesus right now. He's just like, just like frustrated probably and rubbing his eyes. He keeps telling them over and over and over again. You want a sign? Moses did not give you manna. God gave you manna. Jesus is saying, and I am better than manna. For I too came down from heaven. I am much better than manna. I love his response. Jesus corrects what he understands to be their interpretation of Scripture that they decided. He who gave them bread was not Moses, but my Father. And giving the true bread was not the past with Moses, but is in the present right now today with Jesus Christ. Jesus is far more than the giver of bread like Moses was. For he is the bread itself. And he's about to make that clear in verse 33. It says here, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So Jesus now, he is declaring that he is the bread of life. And if you choose to follow Jesus, if you choose to eat of Jesus... It's a road trip. It's not overnight. It's not quick. You need to feed off of Jesus every single day. Every day. I'd like to uh, invite the worship team up. So now Jesus, he's about to say something so radical and so scary to these people that in the end of it, these people leave. This is crazy talk. Even in today's society, it would be considered crazy talk to hear this. It would be wild. He says in verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give my life to the world. Wait, what? This man who claims to be the son of God wants us to eat his flesh? Are you kidding me? But then it gets worse. In verse 53, Jesus says to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, 
you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Wow. Of course, they all left. This guy's crazy. He wants us to eat his flesh. So while at first it sounds shocking on the outside, but what Jesus is saying is this. He's saying, I and I alone are the means that eternal life can become yours. And by feeding on Jesus, by faith, is necessary for eternal life. Eating Jesus' flesh and and drinking his blood refers to believing in personally his death on the cross as your only hope for eternal life. Jesus is now promising a quality life now and resurrection in the future. That's something that we need to just hold on to tightly. Hold on to dearly as we're traveling, as we're doing our road trip. Your relationship with God. What food are you eating? The AM, PM? Denny's? Or are you eating that one thing that can satisfy any appetite? We're going to take communion here in a moment together. I'd like to invite the ushers forward, please. Remember, to receive the bread of life, we only need to do one thing. One thing, church. And it's our job. It's the only job we have to receive this bread. It's to believe in the one sent by God. To believe in Jesus. I heard this one pastor, he said it like this, and I love this. I am just one beggar telling other beggars where the bread is. And that bread satisfies all appetites. This amazing gift that satisfies all appetites is Jesus Christ. For he said, I am the bread of life. Go ahead and pass it out, guys. I am the bread of life. Worship team's going to sing another song. And I want to challenge you as we're taking communion during this song. Um, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to pray and talk to God. I want you to just, what are you putting in your bodies? I'm not talking about physical food. I'm talking about what are you putting in your bodies spiritually? What are you putting on your bodies emotionally? Like, what kinds of things are just taking over? That's taking your, your direction away from Jesus. He wants to redirect you today, this morning back to him. And all you need to do is just to believe in the one sent by God. So as they're singing their song, I want you guys to pray, talk to God, whatever it is, and and wait for God to answer you. He will talk to you. And then when you feel that nudging, you can take your communion. And then I'll come up and close this out.